Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. The name of the show is The Entrepreneur's MBA, and we talk about entrepreneurship, but there are a lot of small business owners. So what's the difference? Is there such thing as a small business that's different from an entrepreneur? Is an entrepreneur and a small business owner the same thing? Um, in my mind, I think there's a difference in the thinking that goes along with it. In, today, we're going to talk about being in a small business, being part of a small business, but having an entrepreneurial mindset, having an entrepreneurial drive that changes that business into a different direction. So I'm really excited to talk about just that concept as we talk about how do you grow your business? How do you get more clients? How do you learn the lessons that other people have had and the, the landmines they've stepped on and the, the wins they've had that you can work, that you can learn from and win from. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I appreciate you being here with me. As always, we're brought to you by powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is a great platform to stay in touch with your prospects and your clients through text versus through email because we know text is opened at a much faster rate and gets much better response time. We are also on C-Suite Radio, and I want to thank them for the platform and for the opportunity to be there um, and talk to all of their listeners. In my world, you can have a great business, but there are things that come up, and you need to figure out how to pivot, how to grow, how to do things differently than your competition or than you have before, and all of that is outlined in my book, How to Make More Money in Your Business. You can get it at freebookfromadam.com. And um, it, if you need to take that next step in your business, you're going to learn a lot, great, a lot of great lessons here. The book will give you step-by-step -step things that you need to know. One more thing about powertexting.com is they give a free hotel stay to one listener of every podcast that I do. So stay tuned for more about that. So I want to introduce my guests. I'm really excited about this conversation because it's the perfect small business to entrepreneur to business story that a lot of you out there have gone through or are going through as we speak. And he weaves in a lot of strategy, with his my, which is my wheelhouse, and strategy into something you're already doing, how to think about your business and specifically your cash flow, your accounting, your tax needs in a different way, way more strategical. Michael Eckstein, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me, and thank you for making me sound very good to the audience. <laughs> You're welcome. I, uh, it's my job to make you look amazing and sound amazing, so people stay tuned. So hang with us for the next half hour, everybody. This will be a really fun conversation. So, Mike, um, I'm really glad that, that you joined us because you've got a, a story that's very typical among people in the service-based businesses is that you had a skill that you learned, you went into business that was an ongoing business, and then you branched off and started your own path, which is where that entrepreneurial thinking came up. But let's start with your start, right? You went to school, you learned stuff, your dad had an accounting business, and you went into it. Tell us about that little start and, and where it led you to your own entrepreneurial journey. Well, I think it's a story as old as time. Uh, my dad was an accountant. I became an accountant. That's how like 75% of us get into it. 
right? How we fall into it. So uh, I went to school for to be an accountant. I came out, I started working for him and he was a solo accountant. It was only really him, you know, for years and years and years. He built up a successful business, you know, raised a family, you know, had everything. But as he was, you know, coming closer to retirement, he just kind of, you know, he stopped taking referrals because he was planning on, you know, closing up shop. So the only problem with that is, you know, if I want to have a business in 20 years, I have to have paying clients. And there were just no more paying clients coming in. And the you know, fact of the matter was that the majority of his clientele was older than my clientele, was older than me, you know. So there was a real need for new clients to come in. And that's kind of what started the beginning of the journey of branching out in a separate firm and trying to get, you know, new business. Interesting. So when, when, when you went to school for accounting, did you and he talk about that you would join the firm and you would eventually take it over or did that just sort of make itself happen? What, what, what went on there? Cause I, I, I picture you guys sitting around like the kitchen table being like, when you take over the firm, son, what, did you have those conversations? I don't think we ever had the conversation. I think it was the assumption, you know, from where my dad's from, it's kind of, you know, businesses are handed down. That's what it happens. But when I started working from the reality of it kind of became apparent, you know, like I was saying, there have to be clients for the business to exist and the clients were significantly older than me. So at that stage, when I first joined, it was no big deal. But the problem is 20 years down the line, it starts becoming an issue. Got it. And so when, when you joined him, uh, there was work to be done, right? So you got in and you jumped in and, and you did the work and, and you spelled him a little bit for some clients and he probably delegated some work. When did you think to yourself, all right, this is, this is not long-term. I need to be thinking differently about this. You know, who knows what the dream was that you had, but when did that epiphany happen that you knew you needed to take it in a different direction? I think it first started a few years in. I think it came in like phases. I don't think, uh, I don't remember it all happening at once. I remember just all of a sudden one day being like, aha, you know, realizing I had to make a change. It was certain steps. I think the first step was I wanted to become uh, an enrolled agent, which is a certain tax accountant designation from the IRS. And then after that, the next step was I, you know, I wanted to have a website. You know, my dad was a very old school firm, didn't have a website, right? So I was like, I want to have a website. And then it kind of became the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It kind of grew, you know, slowly. Interesting. So do you, do, do, do you see yourself having more ideas, getting more entrepreneurial air quotes for those of you on YouTube? You can see those for those of you listening, you can't, but did you see yourself getting more entrepreneurial in the, getting the website, then thinking about marketing and then thinking about as social media was probably something you obviously your dad didn't do if he didn't have a website. No. Did those things build upon each other or was it just, this needs to happen. So you did it. Uh, I think it kind of built up, built up like uh, exponentially in the beginning. It was just a little bit of a trickle. I was kind of testing the water, seeing what could happen You know, as time went on. And you know, I think the successes started rolling. When things started going right and uh you know clients started coming in and all the different things i was trying started working it kind of built up built up built up gave me you know i guess uh, confidence to try other things to really try and 
you know, make it something else. Because in the beginning, it was kind of an idea. Let's see how far we can take this. Let's see if, you know, anyone calls, if I do get any clients. And then once it started becoming, you know, its own business and really people were calling and it was growing much faster than either of us had ever expected. It was like, let's see how far we can take this. You know? Did that get him fired up about it as well? In his own way, kind of <laughs> uh, fired up isn't really an emotion he has, you know, I, in the beginning, I think he was still a little uh, reserved, apprehensive about it, but in the last year or two, I think he's also really seen how something we didn't really know was going to work, did work and did become its own thing. Interesting. And, and so are you chill, you two still working together? Cause I know that you sort of started your own path in a little bit different way. Cause he was more of a, an accountant of the, the past, meaning historical data. What did you do last year? And we'll talk about you, where you took it a little more future thinking. Yeah. How did that work? We still kind of work together. We uh, share physical office space. Uh, he doesn't really have anything to do with my clients other than when they stop by to drop something off, he takes it from them. And that was part of the agreement. He didn't, you know, he didn't want new clients. He didn't want to talk to new people. You know, he was trying to retire, you know, but I'll still do some of the um, more basic work that he doesn't want to do anymore from his own firm. So things like um, write-ups and very basic tax returns that he just is tired of after all these years, it's my job now. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And, it, you know, for, for all of you dads out there that are bringing your children into the business and you're worried they're going to take over, um, maybe you should stop listening, but they are going to take over and let them do it. Um, new blood is great for any business. And, um, but this is a good story. So you're still working together. And, but now you're, you're going on your own path. You started your own business mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll, you'll do work together, but you've got your own thing going on. How hard a decision was that to make? To make to a separate make, business? Make a separate business. In the beginning, I don't think it was really a hard decision because I didn't think it was going to like work to the degree it did. You know, it was just, uh, kind of like a weekend project almost. Uh, like, let's see what happens. So, you know, you don't really have to make a hard decision to, you know, have a weekend project. You know, it's like going to the beach. You're like, all right, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, no one will know. You know? Right. I've tried to build a deck. That's a weekend yeah, project that didn't kinda. go particularly well. Um, but I can't my, fall my through skills. mine and injure myself. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> the one I was trying to replace, I would have fallen through. So it was kind of a necessity. Yeah. Um, uh, but so you, you start your own business and, and you do some marketing, you do some things and it's rolling. Did it roll from day one or was, it, was there a hiccup or two along the way? There was no rolling from day one. It, it didn't roll at all day one. I think, uh, it took six months for it to get anywhere. And, um, then it kind of started building up, building up. Like, uh, in the beginning, the method of marketing I wanted to go with, because I was, you know, bootstrapping the whole thing. I want to see, you know, as little money as possible because, you know, it was a weekend project. So I kind of went the route of, you know, do it yourself SEO, you know, and the problem with do it yourself SEO is it takes forever. <laughs> if you're paying someone, it, it can happen very quickly because that's their job. That's what they do all the time. For me, you know, doing it here or there, it's a very slow, tedious process. I think it took six to seven months to really get a call or two. And then it kind of kept building and building and building to a point where 
that uh, do-it-yourself SEO I did and still, you know, do a little bit here and there, you know, really built a business, you know. And I think the accounting sector, the local accounting sector is really one that, you know, local practitioners can benefit from the SEO because I don't know about like your market or the audience's markets, but where I'm at, you know, no one's like heard of SEO, let alone websites, ads. It's just a totally new thing ready to be innovated on that any sort of basic step you take out from what everyone was doing, you know, just shoots you to the head of the pack. Right. And the accounting world, my, my wife happens to be a, a CPA. She does more corporate accounting than she does tax work. Mm -hmm. um, but accountants are not generally out there building marketing, doing SEO, driving new clients. It's a referral based world. And yeah. for your dad's entire career, it probably was. Yeah. So you're doing something very different. Mm -hmm. So as clients start to come in and you start to have more work, mm -hmm. but you've got your dad and the, the work that you do at his firm, you've got your new firm with the clients, mm -hmm. with clients. Now you've got competing priorities and mm -hmm. we all have competing priorities, whether it's picking the kids up from school, whether it's mm -hmm. family, whether it's, you know, your and your dad's competing not competing businesses, but competing businesses for time. How did you prioritize? Um, if it came to client calls, I would pick them up, you know, because, you know, you want to be attentive, but to a certain extent, his work comes first, unless it's a true crisis on a client's side, which, you know, in our line of work doesn't really happen. It's infrequent, but it does happen. Every now and then. So a true client crisis come first. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people that call you, whether it's April 14th or June 14th or September 14th, depending on extensions and entities and whatnot. For those of you not in accounting, those are very probably big days in, in Mike's world. Uh, <laughs> so you do get those. Um, but in, in doing all of that, now your starts to roll. Now you have to make the decision. All right, I've got something going here. I'm excited about it. Was it instant, how do I expand on it more? Or did you have to take a step back and regroup and say, all right, how do I make this work before I go get more? Um, I don't think it was instant. It, you know, I was kind of chugging along and I saw that I was kind of building the same old firm that everyone builds. The way the majority of small accounting firms happen is you do a lot of individual tax work or maybe you do a little bit of other tax work and you slowly spread out, you know, and... I don't remember where I first was reading it or something. It was kind of suggesting there was another way to run an accounting firm, you know, that it didn't have to be only, you know, churning out income tax returns. And when I really found that, it kind of became more of a, oh, this is the path. Before that, I was just kind of seeing what happened, you know? It was the weekend project. But once I kind of saw where I wanted the accounting firm to be, not just the average firm, I think that's really the, uh, the moment where I was like, this is it, you know? So whether it was a light bulb moment or a light bulb six months, um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was where years. it happened. <laughs> light bulb three years. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We're talking to Mike Eckstein on, on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast brought to you by powertexting.com. As I hopefully mentioned, powertexting.com gives a free hotel stay to one listener of every show, four and five star hotels, uh, 17 places across the world, uh, Vegas, New York, lots of places in Mexico, um, Thailand, Bali, 
One person's going to win. Go to power uh, podcasttrip.com, podcasttrip.com to win that. So, Mike, when we, when we were talking before the show, you've got what your dad taught you, what you learned in accounting school, getting your degree. You got your EA, um, which was schooling in and of itself, right? That allows you to um, talk, you know, present in front of the IRS on behalf of your clients. For those of you not in accounting, it's, it's very specialized and it's something not a lot of account- accountants have. A lot of CPAs out there, not a ton of EAs at least that people know, and it's a really important designation. So you've got all of these things that you have at your disposal, mm-hmm. but you knew that traditional people come in, give me their stuff, I do their taxes, I hope they come back next year, is not the model you wanted to build. Mm-hmm. So you took it in a different direction. So one, what was it that drove you to something a little bit different that not every accountant was doing and two, why the direction that you took, you, you went. There's a few different problems with, you know, the old school, just doing a ton of taxes, right? One problem is it's not very fulfilling. You know, you're not changing anyone's life. You're not, you know, helping any, no one ever come like leaves my office. like, Oh my God, this is the best experience of my life. You know, <laughs> People do it because they got to do it. I have maybe a handful of clients a year doing their income tax returns. I truly make a difference and they're truly appreciated. It's the nature of the game. And the second problem is, is, you know, the advent of things like TurboTax. You know, the reality is, is that TurboTax is getting better and better and it's gobbling up a certain percentage of the market. And now there's fewer and fewer tax clients that all the same firms are still fighting for. You know, I'm not going to be one of those, you know, naysayers you know doomsayers that says it's going to happen tomorrow the end of a tax firm because there'll always be tax firms there'll always be a need for it but in the 80s and 90s there used to be a lot of very simple tax returns that were kind of the bread and butter of tax firms that you know in the 80s you charge 100 bucks you know 75 bucks whatever for a relatively simple tax return that you did very quickly and you kind of churned it out you know and that made a lot of money as time went on you know, TurboTax started eating up all those clients. So now you have a lot of more complicated tax clients that are expecting the same old prices, but you know, every other client that comes in has got some crazy situation. And it just, you know, looking at those two things put together, I realized it's not really sustainable in the long run to kind of have this kind of practice. And so that's where sort of the entrepreneurial mindset popped in that maybe yeah. was in there all along but mm-hmm. said, all right, it's time to do something different. The same old doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And so you took a more advisory and strategic approach to taxes yeah. than most of the other um, tax firms and accountants in your area. Mm-hmm. And for everyone listening, and especially you're, you're listening to this because you, you are a business owner, you want to be a business yeah. owner, you want to do more with your business. And an underutilized and underthought of part of making more money, which is where I live, which is not more revenue. It's what what you put in your pocket at the end of the day. And taxes are a big part of that. And you saw that. So when you thought about the advisory and strategic part of it, where did you start and how did that change the lives of your clients? Um, 
it kind of started by accident. You know, everyone, you know, business owners, especially they go to their accountant and it's not just to hear the forms, plug it in. You kind of talk about business and throughout the year, every now and then you talk to your accountant and you talk about business and they give you advice. You know, so my thought was, why can't this be just its own service? You know, and I think you'll see this trend coming up in the accounting industry a lot more. A lot of accountants I talk to are talking about it in a way that we didn't used to where that advisory should be its own service. And it's kind of the service that'll keep the accounting industry alive, at least the small firm accounting industry. And the, I guess the, the watershed moment was kind of, as I was looking at my client list, I was looking at all my business clients, I noticed, you know, they all had certain things in common. It didn't matter what field they were in. You know, I have all sorts of crazy, you know, contractors, licensed mental health counselors, designers, everything. They all had certain things in common, you know, one, they're all good people. They, you know, cared about their employees. They cared about doing a good job Two, They, you know, you know, were just, they were, you know, trying to run a successful business, you know, trying to do right by everyone. And pretty much the third thing was they didn't know how to do their business. They knew how to do whatever their occupation was. You know, carpenters knew how to do carpentry. Mental health counselors knew how to be therapists. Well, they knew how to be mental health counselors. But all the aspects of running the business, whether it's invoicing, saving for retirement, taxes, everything, you know, you're not taught it. You know, when you open your LLC, no one sends you a manual and says, this is how, these are the top tips. You know, you kind of have to stumble your way through it. And I think when I realized that, I saw like, these people need help, you know, not to say that they're incapable. It's just, no one teaches it. School doesn't teach it. There's no entrepreneurship school. There's no small business school. The information really isn't out there and you're just expected to know it. And they land some people in hot water. Yeah. And, and when you think about that and you think about taxes, mm -hmm. the strategy, if, if you and your client, and, and this is why Mike and I both have jobs because so many small business owners are so amazing at what they do. Yeah. And sometimes they need me to, to advise them on how to grow and how to plan and how to build out the next three years of their life. And Mike says, all right, there's a lot of money. A, you're leaving on the table. You're missing in terms of deductions. And more importantly, you're not doing it strategically. So most people go to their accountant sometime between March 1st and April 14th yep. and vomit a bunch of paperwork on their desk. Some might have spreadsheets, but most there's probably some paper. That's but, but if you think back to what if my client met with me on July 1st of the, or January 1st of the prior year, mm -hmm. how different would April 15th, 15 mm -hmm. months later be? So when your clients come to you now, now that you've been working this and you meet with them, whether it's quarterly or whether it's just sort of ongoing in sort of our technological world, how can you help them differently by having a strategy for next year's taxes versus last year's taxes? It depends on the client a little bit. Some clients are kind of fine having that once a year thing and they just want to have a quick question here or there and that's fine. You know? yep. Um, other clients do want to talk more. And I think that there's a much larger percentage of small business owners that like that than accountants that are offering it right now. 
small business owners that truly want to talk, you know, to their accountant once a month, once every few weeks and kind of discuss and not just taxes, whatever issues they're kind of having, because the reality is, is accountants see a lot of small businesses, you know, even the, you know, slowest accountant still does dozens of small businesses and has experience with all sorts of different things, which is a lot more, you know, to say than most other professions, you know, very few professions have that kind of, hands-on in the finances kind of experience and understand the different tangential areas, you know, around accounting, around small business. And um, I've seen success, you know, to go back to the question for many of the clients that we, that I talk to, you know, once a month, because we get a pre-plan for taxes. We got to make sure they're sending in enough money aside. We got to make sure they're taking the right deductions, that they're planning right. We also got to make sure that, you know, they're pricing their services correctly, that they are following up on their invoices frequently enough. They're not just letting them kind of fizzle out and hope they get paid one day, that they're setting money aside for, you know, their retirement, for their own personal goals that have nothing to do with business. You know, sometimes you need the outside voice to kind of come in and say, you know, don't forget this or that, because you get so wrapped up in business. There's just so many distractions. There's so many things. It's, you know, you have your normal job. Now you have all of that administrative stuff on top of it. It's very, you know, it's consuming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and people get weird about money, right? People mm-hmm. who are, uh, my, my father was a doctor. My stepfather was a doctor. And, and he used to say, how do you have a doctor retire with a million bucks? Mm-hmm. You give him 10 million, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not a slight toward doctors for any doctors who are listening, but you know, we all think we're great at everything. And for whatever reason, accounting and money mm-hmm. investments are the things we think we can do ourselves. Yeah. But there are so many things that we could miss because we do get busy and that's where you can really help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And part of the whole do it yourself kind of mentality is, you know, the genius of advertising of QuickBooks and, you know, on the investment side, things like Betterment, Wealthfront, and they did a great job, you know, don't get me wrong, but there's really no shame in outsourcing it. You know, everyone wants to do their own bookkeeping, their own accounting, but that time may be better spent working, being with your family instead of, you know, pulling your hair out, trying to do something that you could hand off to someone else to do, you know, maybe even a better job. Same with investing. You know, instead of kind of fumbling around and figuring out from the literal endless sea of investments, you could you find a financial advisor, you know, who can help you with these things. No, I think that that's, that's great advice. And obviously when, when I work with my clients and when you work with your clients, it's, they've hit a point where they know, they might know I'm too busy because I've got clients of my own or, or I know because I've screwed this up and now I'm in trouble and I need your support to, mm-hmm. to help me fix it. Or I know I hate it, right? Those are probably the three biggest I knows. Yeah. But when, when a new client comes in and you, you transition them from the old school, dump your stuff on my plate to here's how I'd like to work in a more partnership advisory capacity with you. Um, does it take some time for people to understand that or do people, are they thirsting for it? I think people are thirsting for the advisory kind of thing. 
and they didn't really realize before it kind of happened. But to go from the shift from the old kind of dumping everything or, you know, doing your accounting all at the last minute, because I think we all know people that they do everything either in December or they put themselves, they get put on extension, they do everything in August, right? It takes a little bit to shift from that to modern, modern accounting where, you know, things are done, you know, that month. You know, month ends, you do all of it at once. Now you're on modern cloud software, you know. And the things that modern cloud accounting software can do are, you know, crazy, frankly. You know, if you told me or told accountants 20 years ago that you could do some of the things you can do today, it's mind-blowing. One of, you know, a software I really like right now can take the receipt, you know, say you go to, I don't know, 7-Eleven or something. Not saying uh, it's always a deductible expense, but it's an example. You go to 7-Eleven, you take a picture of it on your phone, and your accountant can attach it to the transaction in your bookkeeping records. If you ever get audited, the receipt is right there. You can go, you can click it, and it opens the picture. The same picture you took all that time, you know, all those years ago or whatever. And from an audit proofing standpoint, it's amazing. You know, we, we didn't have anything like that. 20 years ago, you had to take that, uh, was it? temperature sensitive paper, put in an envelope and hope that, you know, it didn't get too warm, too cold and erase the receipt, you know, but now it's kind of there forever and it's doing things we could never do before. And it allows you to do things you've never done before because you save a ton of time because you don't yeah. have to go through those yellow receipts that yeah. um, were in somebody's car and in Arizona, you don't know how many yeah. receipts I have in my files that are, um, they're illegible because they mm -hmm. just got hot. Um, I don't think the, yeah, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to jinx myself, knock on wood, that the IRS is going to call me about my files. Um, although ours are pretty good. Um, but I, but I, I have another question around the strategy and this is something probably more specific than we want to get into on a podcast. So you don't have to get into the legalities of it, mm -hmm. but there are things that you can do in your business mm -hmm. that if you do them in the fourth quarter versus the third quarter, have different tax ramifications, whether it's 179 deductions or whether it's buying a car because the tax law says if you buy a car in the fourth quarter, it's a bigger deal. So for all the business owners out there, there's a lot of stuff that they're not taking advantage of because they'd never know that if they bought their car on August, October 1st versus September 30th or leased it, that there are tax benefits to that and not to get specific to that, but that's part of the strategy, right? It's, there are things that could save them thousands of dollars probably over a lifetime in their business, but they just don't even know even where to look or where to start. With those kinds of things like taking big deductions for tax planning, I really think the best time to do it is October-ish after the 15th and before Thanksgiving. After the 15th, that means your accountant is done with their personal extensions. They have more time. For Thanksgiving, you know, you're not wrapped up in the holiday season. You know, some people like to leave it to the last minute, last week of December. But realistically, last week of December is busy for everyone. You know, my name's Michael Eckstein. I'm Jewish, but still, I'm not getting anything done over, you know, Christmas. <laughs> so when these things are left till the, you know, the holiday season, sometimes it kind of falls between the cracks. And once, you know, New Year's hits, it's too late. These things have to happen in the new year. So it's best late October, mid-November to make it happen. So, you know, you still have the energy to make it happen. You're not distracted by family now. And, you know, while we're talking about like great deductions that no one really takes advantage of, 
My personal favorite that I feel most business owners don't take enough advantage of is saving for retirement. I know it's not like the greatest topic to talk about. It's not like you buy a new car, you deduct it, you have a new car, but you know, it's important. First off, it's probably the most important, right? (laughs) And small business owners have a much harder time doing it than employees. These employees go to work, HR gives you some paperwork, you know, fill stuff out, bam, $200 taken from every paycheck, put into a 401k, you know, uh, small business owners have a much harder time doing it because you have to find the money, you have to figure out what account, you have to figure out what investments and all those things. But it really is a great deduction. You know, it's a great deduction because it reduces your taxes now. And it also, you know, sets money aside for the future. You know, sets money aside for retirement, which is crucial, you know. Nice. And Michael just doesn't, he, he's in New York, but he doesn't only work with clients in New York. He, he's available to, to people all over the place. Where can people reach out to you, whether it's a question or a strategy or they want to hire you? And I hope you do because um, he's great at what he does. I hope you want to hire me too. Right. Um, <laughs> the best place to find me right now would probably be LinkedIn. You know, uh, if you, maybe we can link it in the show notes or something. Uh, just Definitely. You know, search, search Michael Eckstein. It's a s- surprisingly common name. So maybe we should link it or uh, you can check out the new website, uh, ecksteinadvisory.com. Very cool. I'll have both of those in the show notes. And before we wrap up, there's one question I always like to ask mm-hmm. because people listen and they're like, Oh, I hate doing my taxes. I know I should do a better job. And next year I'm going to do it differently. All that stuff that goes through people's heads as they're listening. But what do they do first? Like rather than, you know, I mean, definitely go to exitingadvisory.com, but what do they do right now when they get out of the car, when they get off this podcast, what can they do to position themselves to begin to fix their stuff? So they're not in that, drop off all my stuff in the accountant and cross my fingers, but plan better for how they run their business from an accounting standpoint? Uh, I think it's two things. One, the easiest thing to do after you get out of the car and finish this podcast would be to call your accountant and kind of express your concerns. Say, I want to become a more proactive business owner. I want to be more on top of my taxes. I want to be more efficient. What can we do? You know, it's possible your accountant, you know, especially if you really like them, stay with them if you like them. It's possible they offer these services, or if they don't, they'd be willing to start offering them with you. You know, no accountant is, you know, kind of like, yeah, pay as much tax as you can. They, they want to help you reduce your taxes. That's, you know, it's what they do. Yeah. And the second thing would be to really care about your accounting. You know, sloppy records creates sloppy reports create sloppy tax returns which creates an audit risk which potentially leaves you paying more taxes and the third and almost the worst one is if you have sloppy records you know your reports don't really reflect the truth and when they don't reflect the truth it's very hard to look at them and find truths about your business all you see are lies about your business and you can't you know extrapolate information from them and you know even spending 10 minutes a month looking at profit and loss can really make a huge difference. You don't have to be an accountant to look at it very quickly. That's huge. And and I I love that you ended there because I've lived my life being married to a corporate accountant. My my wife's a CPA, but her big thing is she can tell any business that she goes into that they're going to run out of money on X date, right? That's, That's her wheelhouse. And she loves that stuff. 
and business owners look at her and they're like, all right, you know, I don't believe you. Yeah. And either that's her last day or they let it play out until they run out of money because she knows where the dates are. And so knowing the truth in your numbers is critical. I love the way you ended that because most business owners, myself included, even though I'm married to an accountant, I am terrible at doing the books and records. I plug everything in mm-hmm. and I look at the bottom line mm-hmm. and I know there's more money at the end than there was at the beginning, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Michael, thank you for being here. Thanks for the information you gave. Uh, I really appreciate your time and, and the knowledge you gave us today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, to the audience, thank you for listening to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks everyone for being here with Michael Eckstein and Adam Kipnis on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Definitely join us for the next one. I appreciate if uh, leave your comments, rate and review. Um, definitely helps us. But uh, we will listen to you or hear you on or you will hear us on the next one. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.